0: Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. it gives me great pleasure to welcome a colleague, uh, a regular colleague on Viewpoints, Anne-Marie Clyman, who's the President of the Victorian Principals Association. Welcome again to Viewpoints, Anne-Marie.
1: Good morning, Henry. It's
0: always a pleasure having you on. Um, how long have you been the President of the VPA now? This is my fourth year in the role as President of the VPA. And uh, looking back on your four years, how would you sum them up? Successful, very obviously.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. But they've been very busy years, of course, um, because there's been such um, a significant change agenda within the department and education generally across Victoria. So they've been very busy with lots of focuses on many different um, touch points, you know, from principal health and wellbeing to school infrastructure to things that are happening in society that are coming in and impacting on schools. So they've been very, very busy years.
0: Mm, And you've done a a great job, if I may say so. One of the areas that's... uh Hitting schools from every which way angle, Anne-Marie, and I know you've been uh, quite uh, quite involved in focusing on this uh, anxiety and uh, uh, Michael Horton, uh, an eminent person in the field of psychology, has been quite uh, vocal about this recently and uh, anxiety habits versus anxiety pathology has become a bit of a talking point. I know this is an interesting an area of interest to you. You might like to elaborate.
1: Yes, I happen to be part of a steering group or a, a um, workshop on Monday this week in Sydney regarding this particular topic. Um, the work's coming out as a result of a survey that the Australian Primary Principals Association sent out to school principals at the end of last year. And the purpose of that meeting was to bring a whole range of key stakeholders from parents, um, psychologists, school leaders, um, to to have a have a good discussion about what the results were saying and in general we the results were um from principals were stating that there has been a you know is increase in the number of um children or the number of cases that they, that principals or school leaders are dealing with in that of of children who have um anxiety but the the key point here that we need to consider is that there's anxiety disorder and there's anxiety habits and you know, we all have anxiety habits. You're putting me through an anxiety habit at the moment when you're asking me to perform on radio. So <laughs> you know, naturally, I'm going to be nervous about that. And so, you know, the the focus of um, the, the the meeting um, is really about trying to be, bring all parties together, um, not blame any particular group in any shape or form, but to bring all parties together to look at well, what are the strategies we need to do and, and to actually deal with this as, a, as a, a country, really, and more particularly in our own local areas, um, to manage and support schools and parents to deal with the, the issue of anxiety for students or for children.
0: Yes, and of course, um, this is one that's been, from the perspective of school principals and teachers, uh, mm-hmm. bubbling along and becoming uh, a greater issue. I mean, anxiety isn't just confined to kids, it's in, it, it, it. adults get it, teachers, parents, uh, mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, I think the fact that we're dealing with uh, anxiety as a growing issue is causing even more anxiety um, <laughs> among people. What do you see as uh, uh, the, the future in dealing with it?
1: Well, if we look at the work that Michael Horton's doing, he's very much talking about um, giving the skills to people, and it can be teachers and it can be parents and it can be school leaders and it can be children in these in circumstances, to be able to self-regulate and identify firstly if it's just an ang- an or ang- well, not just, but if it's an anxiety um, habit that you're forming at the time um, before it becomes an anxiety disorder. And a lot of what he's saying is, is around that self-regulating and self-talk and, and acknowledging what's in your control. He talks a lot about the locus of control. And mm. so what can you personally control um, and what is out of your control and, and putting in strategies to help you manage that particular situation that you're dealing with at the time.
0: Mm, of course, um, that would imply that uh, with the children, the, some of the responsibilities should go back to the parents.
1: Look, it's a joint responsibility too, really. I mean, we, we, we as teachers and educators, we want to also be able to do that with our children, with the children at school. But yes, you're right. Parents also need to have some of those skills as well. And, you know, some of the research did um, that the results that came from the survey, did sort of highlight that you know, there, there are times now where parents are coming to school and expecting the school to deal with this as an issue and, and looking for answers from the school because they don't necessarily know how to manage the situation themselves. So that does add complexity to the work that we already, already have in our schools. And you in terms of time to be able to manage that and the resources or the, the right levels of support at the school level to be... Be able to do that is you know, is something that we need to question as well as part of the work we're doing.
0: Mm, it's a bit like how long is a piece of string? Now a the, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now the graduate teacher pilot program, which has been introduced in Victoria, um, mm-hmm. that's a that's an interesting program and and it's. In part, Anne-Marie, I understand a response to the fact that uh, young teachers are coming, they're doing their four years of training, coming into teaching, and too many of them are getting out as quickly as possible. That's, that's a not a good look.
1: You know, we know that teaching is complex, and we know that it's becoming more and more complex as, um, as years have passed. And so there is a, a need to be able to be able to support these young people coming in or... or First career, you know, is their first career, and um, be able to support them the best way they can, um, as the system can. And I know that you know you you would have graduates in your school, and yes. we expect these graduates to hit the ground running in lots of ways, and to be able to do the job of the same sort of work, even though it's only in, potentially only in their classroom. It's what we expect of our very experienced teachers. And that being even down to the point of managing data, understanding data and using data to differentiate the learning. And they don't necessarily come with those skills honed. And so the program is, um, the pilot is actually designed to provide additional support to them by giving them less face-to-face time in their classrooms. But with a mentor from the school that will also have not as much less face-to-face time, but some time to be able to provide the right support. It will also give the graduate opportunities to go and do some peer observation with um, of other teachers and to have conversations around that work and to be supported by planning that's happening in the school by key personnel, your learning specialists and your leading teachers. And um, So it, it's quite exciting. It is a pilot. It is only going to be in 350 schools in, in three designated areas next year. The, the one positive is that they're not just dropping that support after the first year, they're carrying it into the second year. So there'll be two years of this support for the um, graduate teachers. And I think it's a positive move forward and something that, you know, if we, we want our teachers to hone their craft they, and to learn, and we know that we continue to learn all the way through our careers, but if we want them to get a really good, solid foundation, then we do need to do this for them.
0: Mm. How do you respond to the criticism that some uh, teachers are, are saying, not of the scheme, but of the fact that we need such a scheme? And they say, well, the unis aren't doing their job.
1: There's also some work that's happening in that space as well. I know that um, one a, a forum I'm going to in a couple of weeks um, with eight tool, um and the which is the Australian Institute of Teaching and School Leadership. Um, uh, looking at the initial teacher education programs and the way they're actually preparing graduates to or undergraduates to teach literacy, so there there are expectations um, and there is work happening at that sort of federal level through the through AISL to start to look at teaching programs themselves. And yes, look, I would say that we. You know, the, do do we send our our people out best prepared, or is it even possible to send them out, you know, truly prepared to the to the nth degree that they'll be able to manage all situations? Maybe not something we can do, but we could get better at making sure that they're better prepared to do the basic things that we need them to do. Mm,
0: that's a good point. We'll need to take a short break. Can you hold the line, Anne Marie? Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host Henry Gross. I'm going to have a little discussion with Anne Marie Kleiman, the president of the Victorian Principals Association. Welcome back, Anne Marie. Thank you, Henry. Anne Marie, uh, as a principal uh, yourself for many years, and uh, now a great advocate for the whole profession, including principals' uh, principal well-being. That's been uh, a focus of attention now for more than a few years, and uh, everybody knows that. Uh, We're struggling to get people still to apply for the positions of principalship and that on most indicators and Professor Riley's uh, seven-year, eight-year longitudinal study of principal health and well-being doesn't paint a particularly bright uh, future. What sort of progress uh, on principal health and well-being is being made and the VPA focus on it?
1: So there's a lot of progress that's happening in terms of, if I start with the department's focus on it, in terms of putting in place um, some supports for uh, school leaders and not always just principals, but the assistant principals as well. Mm. Um, Some of those are still at that infancy stage and they're not well known by a lot of people out in the field. And I think we've got work to do to make sure that they're, even from the VPA's perspective, to to make sure that they are socialised well with um, all of our um, school leaders so that they understand what is available to them to help them with their their own, uh, it could be workload or their mental health issues or physical issues or whatever it happens to be that they need the support in. Um, I think that's really, that work has been done and it is important work, but when it, it's not hitting the ground the way it needs to at this point in time. And, and I'll highlight the latest one that's sort of come out, which is the proactive supervision. And um, we often and think supervision what does that mean but it's an actual concept True. that's taken from from allied health which is you know a, a psychologist always has that opportunity to debrief their work with a with a um, a supervisor even though that term is used loosely because it's not really a supervisor it's someone to debrief with and i think that's a positive step for us that, and, and one that we should embrace because we may feel that we're going okay but just to have that conversation with someone and debrief your work that is not someone you're working with, that is not someone you're going home to, but someone that has e- e- um, exceptional training in psycho- psychology that can support you through that is one positive step. However, we need to accept that these things are available as principles. We need to embrace them um, and and take on those opportunities. But on the flip side of that, whilst all that wonderful work is being done to provide us some good support, we're not seeing a decrease in the workload, and I think no. that's what comes out of Phil Riley's um, survey the most. His research the most is that workload is still intensifying, and that's not changing. And um, you know, there, a new initiative with a new initiative that comes in, and whether that be the most fantastic initiative we, we've ever seen, it still is something that has to be done by the principal. So everything that leaves the department hits the principal's desk and has to be de- dealt with, and managed. So we've got a ways to go to realise that it's all good good to put the supports in around providing the mental health support for and wellbeing support for um, school leaders. But what are we doing about addressing the real issue that is getting them to the point that they need to engage with these services? And that's workload.
0: Mm, And uh, and I don't think we've got all the answers on that one just yet, Anne-Marie. Now, the Minister... Minister Molino earlier this uh, week made a, a statement uh, in response to what he sees as growing anti-Semitism, both uh, here in Australia and across uh, many of the Western countries. And uh, he's called, and I know it's a secondary issue, um, right. but it's still it's still got broader broader implications for us. He'd like to see reference to the Holocaust be brought into history studies in our curriculum. Your view on that?
1: Mm, I saw that, and, um, and whilst I think any history is important to teach, um, it's an it's about what goes if you're going to introduce a new new um, topic to discuss because we can't keep cramming more and more into what is already potentially an overcrowded curriculum. However, the importance of building understanding and sensitivity across, uh, across all cultures and all and for all people is important, just as much as it's important that we also discuss. The, the, what we could term the Holocaust that happened to our own Indigenous culture back in, mm. in, you know, in the day. And so you know, there's lots of histories to cover. Um, whilst I don't disagree with it being an important topic and I'm not in a secondary and I don't know how it's going to impact on their causes, um, I, um, I have, I'm, I'm sort of sitting on the fence, I suppose. I agree that it's important, but I'm wondering where it, and how it's going to be done and what goes to allow that to happen.
0: Mm. now the vpa they're a very important organization and they represent a lot of a lot of principles i i know you've got your plans ahead for 2020 what are some of the big ticket items on which you're focusing
1: well we continue always to be fairly strong around the principal health and well-being agenda because that constantly comes up and we had our state council meeting last week and And when we talk about that, it it is about what are the supports that are put in place to allow us to focus on the real work and not the work that is kind of busy work. And that often is the management of school resources in terms of facilities management or or asbestos management. And whilst, again, there's been some really good programs put in place for some small school leaders, those those leaders that are um, uh, operating with 80 or less students in their school, to help manage OHS, um, because that's a huge area in our system, we still need to make sure that that, that we look at right across the system and, and have those supports available to to everyone. Because, you know, I hear from principals that are saying, "I just want to focus on the improvement agenda. That's that is my work. That's my core business. We want the best outcomes for students. And yet, if I'm managing That building's a facility that's being worked on in my school, um, it's taking me away from what is core business. So, you know, I think we're we're making small steps, but there are still ways to go in that space as well. Um, You know, the role of the VPA is to just continue to make sure that we're listening to what our members need. And picking up, and, and sometimes they might be short-term issues that we're dealing with, but it's, it's an issue that's been raised and so therefore it's, it's advocating at it's the right space to um, try and get some uh, plausible solutions that, that help all parties in the, in the work that we do. Um, and then there are the long-term ones, as I said, principal health, health and wellbeing is one. Initial teacher education often comes up. A, a big one on the agenda is, is um, support for schools around... Uh, so support the student support officers providing enough support for schools, for schools to manage the complexities of families uh, and the issues that they're dealing with that come into the school that become an issue for the schools to deal with. So it's a, a very, very busy space.
0: It is. Another area that's of interest to me too um, that, that crops up, Anne-Marie, I'm sure you're aware of it, and that is uh, while we all have to have qualifications to be teachers – there aren't requisite qualifications for that area that often principals and teachers get very frustrated with and overwhelmed with and that's in the administration management area and uh, uh, that's a big part of school business and yet um, I'd argue they're not paid well enough and the the training for our our business managers and senior admin staff, uh, it's it's a bit all over the place. Yeah, there
1: has been. Work done in the part in most recent years around a business manager certificate, but it is time for them to be able to get out of their schools to be able to do that. And the, their role, the complexity of their role is quite, um, as you know, quite large. Mm. Because they've got they're managing tax and some of the they're managing HR issues. They're managing um, their superannuation. They're managing all those things that they probably. Haven't been well, many of them haven't been trained in before they go into that, so it is a huge learning curve for them to actually get their head around that. And then of course on top of that there are increasing compliances that they've got to meet as we continue to go past each year and move through each year because a new thing will come out. Well now you compliant, you've got to meet this compliance. So um, whilst I think there's opportunities for them, it, it, it does take them away from the work that they're doing at the school and and therefore they're getting behind in what they do. And it is a very complex area. I don't know if I could actually do their job, to be honest. Um, no, neither people.
0: could I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> you, we rely very heavily on them, actually. And I think um, mm, yes. more support for we, them would be a good thing.
1: Yes, we do. And and I think one of our biggest problems is the way um, schools are funded um, to start with in terms of not actually having recognition in our budget that this is the level that we should be paying these people at. Um, it's a school-based decision, and it depends on school size, but the work is still the same. Correct. And so so we're not able... You know, we have some schools where a business manager might be a at a level three, and another school that they're at a level five, they're doing the same work, and there's a differentiation between what they're being paid. And so that's an issue for us, I think, and mm. that... And, and whether that is that they're taken out of the budget in terms of a specific line that says, this is what you need in your school to actually – this is what you should be paying these people and the, in terms of give, giving them – and also giving them the support to do the training. Um, I don't know. I think it's an area that we could focus a bit more on.
0: Mm, There'll always be plenty of work for um, yourself and the VPA in which to engage. Mm. Anne-Marie, it's, as always, a pleasure. And uh, as always, I, I acknowledge the great work that you and your wonderful team do. It's all pretty much, uh, for many of you, your support staff, voluntary work. And, of course, for you, um, uh, you're probably hardly ever home. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs>
1: Some people, the
0: family might like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we won't ask them. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank
1: you, Henry.
0: That was Anne Marie Clyman, President of the VPA, Victorian Principals Association. We'll take a short break, listeners.